Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Friends, near and far, we welcome you to the Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your self-identification with your own form of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship come Sunday. While we have breath, we shall remember and affirm the great goodness in the great hymn, the Kingswood Hymn of Charles Wesley. Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, and truth and love, let all men see. In those who up to thee we give, thine holy thine, to die and live. This is Pentecost. It is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As the hymnist wrote, O Holy Spirit, who didst brood upon the waters dark and rude, and bid their angry tumult cease, and give for wild confusion peace, O hear us when we pray to thee as those who serve on land and sea. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Almighty God, on this day you opened the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit. Shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel that it may reach to the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Upon this Whit Sunday, we remember that there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm has bound the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep its long-appointed limits keep. Oh, hear us as we pray to thee as those who serve on land and sea. For those of us privileged this last week and to participate in the commissioning of our Army and Navy, Navy ROTC graduates at Fanwell Hall for the Army and except for the rain at the U.S. Constitution for the Navy, we were reminded sharply, piercingly, of the varieties of service in our midst. As we come to our time of quiet and confession on this Lord's Day, we pause in the presence and the embrace of God's Spirit to offer our confession of sin. Let us pray. Hails a new creation. No storm can break my inmost calm when to that rock I'm clinging. If love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lesson from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 12, 
verses 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are activated by the one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 104 with the Antiphon.
manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things, both small and great. There go the ships, and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in her works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to God, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Please rise for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 15, verses 26 through 27, and chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. Thank you, O Lord. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You are also to testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. 
about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the passage of 1 Corinthians read earlier, the Apostle Paul has exhorted his energetic Corinthians to sense the spirit. We could use a measure of spirit too, could we not? The religious mudslide across this country over several decades that has deposited determinism and quietism and pessimism into our common life, with all of that, we especially hunger and thirst for what Paul writes. We truly hunger to pick up what he is putting down here. Are you picking up what he is putting down? It's not heavy. The future, the future is open 
and at least in good part, the future of our planet will be forged by the freedom of individuals and groups to make choices for health and life. The present? The present is a good time. The best time to plant an oak tree is 100 years ago. The second best is today, this very morning. The past? The past is not in charge. The past is not dead and therefore not past, but the past is not ruling the roost. You are. What you choose not to do matters. That is why we continually, even upon Pentecost, continually and happily do harp on the crucial centrality of disciplined generosity in our tradition called tithing and of inviting. Give away 10% of what you earn and invite some person every week to church and you will be like the child born on the Sabbath day, happy, witty, bright, and gay. It is the one spirit, the same spirit, from which we drink this morning. You know this well, but a few reminders for those who may have been absent on Pentecost's past, or asleep like Elijah's Baal on Sunday's past, or just not really interested in the spirit in the past. First, for Paul, there is absolutely no separation between spiritual life and life. Spirit is in life, and the much-prized division between material and spiritual, prized in ancient Greece and prized today here, Paul humiliates. The same spirit roves and ravages in what is said, what is predicted, what is healed, what is remembered, and what is done and what is given. For him, there is no distinction between religious and secular. The same, same spirit inhabits all. Second, the spirit is the Lord, and the Lord is the church. It is like a body, many parts, one body. Did you notice that just where you expect Paul to have written church, so it is with, he says, not church, Christ. For him, the church is the body of Christ in some mystical, magical, mysterious, miraculous way. Christ has actual feet, yours. Actual hands, yours. Actual muscles, his. Actual voice, hers. Actual presence, here and now. Hic et nunc. Third, Paul distinguishes gifts from fruit. Fruit is general, lavished upon all, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Gifts are individual, to one this, to one that. Fourth, the reason for the gifts. You have, you have particular gifts. What are they? Name one, yours. You have at least one, and, in, and Paul in no way means his collection list here to be exhaustive. It's exemplary, not exhaustive. I do find it compellingly interesting 
that his list is almost all related to hearing and speaking. It is curious as well and not explicable finally that he names faith as a gift that some have as a gift and others apparently share by extension. You may feel that you go to church on Sunday for yourself and also by your presence for many in your family and neighborhood who aren't quite present too. Well, faith and by extension, faith. Fifth, the Spirit brings freedom. The Spirit spirit evokes grace. The Spirit spreads love. Sixth and most significant in the opening of the gifts of the Spirit for Paul, all these manifold gifts have one central purpose, the common good, the common good. In most ways, the conditions in Corinth could not be more globally different from our own. They in tatters, we in Sunday best. They in a borrowed upper room, we in a Gothic chapel. They in untutored simplicity, we in educated elevation. They in uproarious shouting, we in decency and order. They at the edge of the Mediterranean, we at the head of the Charles, which reaches out to the whole country. They expecting that the form of this world is passing away like Thursday, maybe Friday noon. We not expecting that, though we are keenly aware of the potentials and dangers of a nuclear accident or ecological ruin. And what could we possibly have in common with such a community like that in Corinth, so torn by Gnostic speculations, incestuous relationships, lawsuits filed member against member, questions about the morality of marriage, selfish inhospitality at table, and a boundless enthusiasm like that in our earlier forebears in Methodism who were accused of being full of noise and nonsense to those all around. One thing we do share with these Corinthians, as a global church and as a church, we are perennially threatened by the various shadows and filters that can muffle the sense of full, same spirit of which Paul speaks here in Corinthians. <coughs> Our particularities in church and nation can become the sideshows that eat up the circus, the varieties that threaten to obscure the same spirit at work in all. Notice the vocabulary of the gifts Paul names. They all have voice. Our age has become one of cyber communication, visual communication. These are wonderful tools. We shall have them and use them with honor and with grace, we trust. Email is a wonderful tool, as long as its visual features are kept in mind. It is immediate, indelible, irretrievable, international, infinitely transferable. And it carries no voice, no body, no sound. 
Paul has tuned his ear to the speaking of the Spirit in many voices. The Spirit speaks in any any utterance of wisdom. Note, this is not any religious as opposed to unreligious wisdom, but simply whatsoever things are true, carried forward fully in the representation and reading of our gospel lesson from John. Truth finally needs no defense, even as falsehood finally has none. It is an utterance which Paul connects first with the Spirit. The Spirit also speaks in the utterance of knowledge. Paul does not equate wisdom with knowledge, a lesson for the knowledgeable to bear in mind, we might add. He may have in mind the knowledge so prized by his spirited opponents, the Gnostics, who like most predominant religious expressions in most ages, including our own today in America, gain adherence through certainty, whether knowledge of the stars or the planets or the spheres, as in Paul's time, or whether knowledge of eternity or calling or determination, as in ours. There is a reason that determinist, certainty-promising religions, Gnostic or sacramentalist or fundamentalist, generally do well. To such certainty, Paul opposes, Paul celebrates confidence, not certainty, but confidence, as the next gift. That is, the Spirit speaks in and of faith, and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the spoken word of God. The Spirit also speaks in healing, that is in words of healing. You remember the scriptures, prize them, love them. Rise, take up your pallet and walk, or your faith has made you well, or Lazarus, come out. The Spirit speaks in the dynamite of change, of miracle that is the unexpected, whether understood naturally or supranaturally. The Spirit speaks in prophecy, speaks in prophecy for the common good. The Spirit speaks in conversation, speaks in conversation about other speaking, discernment. The Spirit speaks, even Paul allows here, in ecstatic utterance, glossolalia, as long as other speech is able to hear some meaning. The sound of spirit has reverberated in every rebirth of the community of faith from the noise of Pentecost Day to Paul and his noisy Corinthians to Augustine and his noisy sermons to the noisy whispering in the medieval monasteries to Luther's noisy shout, I can do no other, to Wesley's noise and nonsense as his detractors said in band, class, meeting, conference, worship, sermon, and music all the way to Azusa Street and the birth of post-Methodism, the Pentecostals. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is noise, sound, freedom, speech, and this in wondrous variety. And oh, by the way, a good university is a pretty noisy place too, like ours is also.
We have varieties of gifts as well right here in Marsh Chapel. We are gifted with various passions in our speech to one another. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God. To one is given the gift of music, mission, management, money, all for the common good. Let each one match her passion for a particular gift with the shared commitment to this, the common good, known in our faith, practiced in our faith, embedded in our faith by tithing and invitation. You know, when conviction is quickened by imagination, there is action that makes a difference. When conviction is quickened by imagination, there is action that makes a difference. Jesus of Nazareth spoke by imagination when he said, blessed are you poor, for God's reign is for you. John Wesley spoke with imagination when he said, there is no holiness save social holiness. Vaclav Havel spoke with imagination when he said, hope is not prognosis, but a willingness to work for what is right. We may differ in our choices of tactics. One supports governmental programs. Another advocates work by private companies and charities. A third prefers a blend. But all are supported by the same spirit at work for the common good. God is at work in the world to make and keep human life human. God is at work in the world to make and keep human life human. The world can work. It can. We need not discount environmental decay or the possibility of nuclear accident or global warming or fundamentalist error or rampant disease. All these and other horse folk of the apocalypse have long been spied. Still, this world, your world, can work. The future is open. The present is a really good moment. The past is not in charge. When imagination is quickened by conviction, there is action that makes a difference. Imagine, imagine for a moment. Imagine a spirited moment directed toward the common good. Wouldn't it be nice if the prisons in this country were half empty and the streets free of homeless vagrants? Wouldn't it be nice if every generation received a better education than the one that preceded it? Wouldn't it be nice if every man and woman who wanted a job could get one? And so we did not waste a single person or view any person as redundant? Wouldn't it be nice if schools and hospitals and churches and charities had more money than they knew what to do with? Well, I would say amen to that. Wouldn't it be nice if men and women were getting along so well that abuse and abortion were virtually unheard of? Wouldn't it be nice if budgets, public and private, 
were set with a clear, frugal eye to the future and without being based on borrowing from the next generation. Wouldn't it be nice if the measure of success in this great country were formed not against the question of individual achievement, but against the desire for the common good under the same spirit. Wouldn't it be nice if we really took seriously, really believed in a final judgment, the day of the Lord, in which hearts are sifted and measurements made against the prospect of the common good? Wouldn't it be nice if warfare ceased and what if and if what tragically remained occurred only within the bounds of Judeo-Christian just war doctrine? Wouldn't it be nice if democracy, not only a voice and vote, but also of education, endowment, employment, and environment were our morning song? Wouldn't it be nice if we could go to bed at night not as those who all day have been rivals for position and power and privilege, but as those who have worn an easier yoke and carried a lighter burden of the broken master, that of real community, that of the common good. I mean as those who, during the daytime, have helped each other. Wouldn't it be nice if the criterion for medical care were simply just how sick are you? Wouldn't it be nice if the communal virtues, the gifts of the spirit that work for the common good, the very signposts of salvation, responsibility, industry, frugality, respect for authority, a sense of limits, replaced those of mere success? Wouldn't it be nice if every kid in this country had enough to eat tonight? Wouldn't it be nice if the love of Jesus Christ and the fear of disappointing him and the hope of meeting him in glory and the joy of working in his fellowship were all that we ever really needed and ever really wanted? Wouldn't it? Too idealistic? Really? Jesus, John Wesley, Vaclav Havel, they did not think so. Where has our early love gone? Where is the love revival of our first kiss of faith? Where is that Pentecost feeling? Have we begun with the spirit to end with the flesh? Where's our imagination? George Bernard Shaw, as usual, had it right. You, say, you see things as they are and say, why? But I dream things that never were, and I say, why not? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. So let us heed his advice and pray. You are welcome to stand, remain seated, or come forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me Lord. created a world of diversity. Work within us, Holy Spirit, so that we, are, we not merely accept diversity, we value it. Help us to recognize that each of us, no matter how different, is a product of your creation. And help us to leverage our differences to build up our community, rather than explore our differences to tear it apart. We ask this because we know that because of your good grace, the abiding advocate, the spirit of truth lives with us and is in us. Thank you, gracious Father, for this peace, this blessed assurance. And we ask you to forgive us, merciful Father, for we admit that we have strayed from your teachings. We have, we have let how one another looks, lives, or loves matter way too much. Holy Spirit, guide us to accept and embrace each other, regardless of race, social economic status, or sexual orientation. Eternal God, our refuge, we pray for those in search of work, food, shelter, companionship, and other basic needs. We mourn for those who are now rest from their labors and ask that your eternal light shine upon them. Give comfort to the anguished, let us all feel the peace and presence of your everlasting arms beneath us and drive out that which torments us. We remember those who sacrificed and fought for the freedoms we have today. For their courage, faith, and hope, we are thankful. Give us all the strength and conviction to continue the fight. Hear our prayers, Heavenly Father. We offer them sincerely, confident that you will hear them, for we pray in the name of the one who overcame the world, Christ Jesus. And now we join voices to pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, we pause to welcome our guests and visitors. You may be here for the first time. If so, know how glad we are you come. Help us to get to know you by joining with the congregation and using the red pad that's found at the, on the aisle seats and passing it along so we can greet one another following service and greet one another by name. If you are listening on the radio for the first time and would like to receive more information about Marsh Chapel, please contact us at our office this week and we'll be glad to help and so provide. We draw your attention to the notices that are printed in your worship program. You will notice we're in a new season. The term is over and we're into summer. And it brings up two of my favorite words, glory, hallelujah. Here we are. We're in a very different chapter. Our faculty, staff, administration, and students by and large are elsewhere, but our resident congregation, strong and soulful and singing as um, John Wesley would be pr proud of your singing here in the nave today. We are present and we invite you to come and be with us in these quieter summer weeks and months. This is a good time to visit Marsh Chapel if you've been considering doing so from afar. Our service through the summer continues with similar preaching and music and liturgy all the way through August and then our matriculation service will be in the second Sunday of September as we regather as a full congregation. I want to thank those who helped in service today. Speaking of summer, many across the radio waves will recognize the voice of Sandra Cole, who regularly offers our pastoral prayer, as she did today. She is our membership secretary here for the chapter, and we're grateful for her help. Like we, likewise, we have two students who are with us. Tyler Sitt emerged through the undergraduate years, decided on a vocation of ministry, and then went to Emory in Atlanta, but he's back. We, we acknowledge the beauty of Atlanta and the quality of Emory, and we're glad you're here. Likewise, he and Kate Rogers, who read earlier, are leaders in our Outlook ministry with gay students over the years. Kate, who, Kate's words you heard on May 13th. She was ill that day, but Liz Douglas read her statement, this I believe. 
She couldn't hear your response, so I'd like you to give her a warm Marsh Chapel round of applause. Later today, our, speaking of students, our university chaplain and minister with students, Brother Larry Whitney, will be married to his lovely bride, Holly. Larry's parents are with us today, and we acknowledge their presence and welcome them. And we keep Larry in mind in these uh, hours and in these days as he and Holly are wed this afternoon. In June, you will find on our website opportunities for fellowship and learning, fellowship meals June 3rd and, September, and July 1st, a Father's Day breakfast, June 17th, a summer book read session before worship on June 24th, and Vacation Bible School date to be announced to be led by Soren Hessler and Jen Quigley. With these thoughts and concerns before us, let us continue to worship together by presenting our tithes and offerings.
fiery spirit, we offer back the variety of gifts you have given, our resources, our time, our imagination, our lives. With this joining, may your people be united by the one same spirit. Amen.
O Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, a happy lodging, and peace at the last. Through the same Spirit, the same Lord, Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs>